0: Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to another edition of the Frank and Stan Chat. In fact, this is, I believe, Stan, is it 175 or 176?
1: 176 on the the front page. Might be the 175th actual one. Yeah, so Stan's identified
0: that we may have a missing episode, but we're wondering whether we should fill that or just leave it as the (laughs) phantom episode. But anyway... Welcome, everybody. And those watching on the video uh, will notice that we've got two friends of ours uh, at the bottom of the screen. So I'm really pleased to introduce Sam Fox. Hello, Sam. Hi, guys. You OK? Yeah, very well. Thank you for joining us. We'll ignore the uh, the football shirt behind you. Uh, but we'll move quickly on to uh, Chris Walsh. How are you, Chris?
2: Oh, good. Very thank you. Yeah,
0: very well. Can, can I can I just thank you for stepping in here? Um we we I met uh, I spoke to uh, Sam uh, last week and uh, it's a really interesting area that we're going to talk about um, because it's an aspect that probably we haven't spent much time talking about on previous chats. So uh, rather than take all the sort of steam out of the kettle, it's probably easier just to ask Sam and Chris just to explain who you are and what you do. Do you want to arm wrestle Chris virtually to see who goes oh. first? <laughs> He's going to go first. Not even
2: getting involved. Age or beauty.
0: <laughs> go on right, Sam, I'll, you go. I'll quickly go introduce chris, you go then i'll yeah. quickly
2: introduce because he'll will waffle despite you know his protest oh, wow. um so i'm obviously chris i used to be a secondary school teacher um taught biology sciences uh, dabbled in maths as well uh and did that for five years in mainstream before pivoting and turning my hand at running a business and that was a tuition-based business where I became a freelance tutor, uh, and pretty much before long, and I'm talking a couple of months in, I filled the schedule up every day of the week was was filled, including the weekends. Um, and then it was a case of either turning work away or actually deciding um, to turn it into a bit of an agency model, uh, which is 10 years on where we are. Um, 10
0: years? Yeah, wow.
2: 10 years on. So we cover most of the Northwest. Um, we've got international students. We work with a lot of local authorities and schools. So... It's it's grown year on year, which is which is nice. Um, and even during the pandemic, the pivot then to sessions that take place like this online um, was revolutionary for the business. So you know, as much bad you know sort of came out of the pandemic, um, that was the the one silver lining from a commercial point of view. Which again, you don't want to talk about that too much because. Like I say overall is horrendous, but
0: no. But we've had colleagues on here. Um, Mike Rotherham is a good example, isn't he, Stan? Um, mm, yeah. Uh, Mike is. Um... Well, you explain it, Stan.
1: He's a well, He was a sports psychologist, a sports performance, working with um, most latest. I think was England women's cricket, but certainly working with the elite athletes. Um, and his view of, of lockdown was that his daughter actually was better off and, and grew in in a sense more independent, more confident, uh while she was at home rather than she had been at school. I'm not sure if he if he sticks with that now, but yeah. at the time he was he was very clear that, uh, that there was an upside to uh, to this lockdown as much as there was a downside. Yeah,
0: I think he was very keen to stress there was an upside to those where you know, the parents well educated. They've got you know good technology at home. They know what the learning the learning journey is meant to look like in terms of the stages of development. You know, um, we are also aware of you know others who had a very very different experience, and no doubt you know uh, there are schools dealing with those issues as we speak. But anyway, so yeah, so that was a, a positive element for the business. Yeah, that was it, and then it
2: was really from that um, I I knew Sam. From way back in school he's a couple years younger than me you might be able to tell by looking at us and um and this will segue into sam's intro but uh, he he reached out to me because of my background in education so sam i'll pass over to you mate all right sam
3: thanks chris so, yeah so i'm sam um i am born and bred in warrington like chris and I basically got into financial services about eight to nine years ago. Uh, my background was music. So I studied, I got a first class degree in, in music. I was in a band, I was touring, I was signed to a label. Really cool, dead sexy thing. It's got the, the drums, looks, isn't like it? Like but living, did, you know. What did you so much, play then, Sam? What did what I, I played the drums. What more did you ask for? So I was living the dream for about six weeks after uni and then the harsh reality that I actually can't make any money doing what I'm doing unless I stick at it for like 20 years and it wasn't that appealing. So financial services has gone through my family for for decades um, and I spoke to my dad and was like, look, I need uh, Charlotte, who's now my wife, who's pregnant with our first child, Arthur, and I was like, I need a, I need a career path, I need to pivot because... Touring the country and spending money and not making very much money is not it's not a good yeah. habit financially. Uh, so I sat all the exams, became a mortgage advisor, and quite quickly it was one of those roles that uh, I excelled in. It was just natural for me to be talking to people, making them feel at ease and money and finance. I had a really weird relationship with money growing up. Um, there's some horror stories that we've gotten some of our PSHE lessons about how how my mismanagement of money, you know, uh, had a downturn on my mental health and things like that. It's like when I was 15, 16. So it was a real passion of mine to help people understand finances and how to make the most of it and be be better with money, I think, and make it okay to talk about it. So then fast forward eight years, uh, I now operate UK Mortgage Centre, which is a team of 27 people um, here in Warrington across two sites. And then during COVID or or sorry, just before COVID, we got to that stage where everybody had three months off work. It was amazing. We all could skip our payments on our credit cards, our loans, our mortgages. And we still got paid by our employee. Everyone sat there going, amazing. I can drink gin at (laughs) 11am, staying in my pajamas all day. But well, what happened is after that sort of three to six month period, and uh, the the construction industry reopened again, and our phone started ringing. Is our online audience is always twenty one to sort of the age thirty five, primarily around first time buyers, so people who need that guidance, and I can draw upon my experiences to help them understand and navigate a world that they don't really understand. And the trend for me came when all these people were like, oh. I've got 15 grand in the bank, I've managed, have not paid any bills for th- six months, and now I want to buy a house. And when we looked deeper into their credit reports, there was late payments, CCJs, defaults, they were spending over the, the credit card allowance of, say, a 1,000, they were spending 1,200. And when we were having the conversation with these younger generations, it was like, oh, well, I don't really know about this sort of stuff. And in school, I just kind of like fumbled my way along, and if I got a credit card, and I didn't think I had to pay it back. So I was like, oh, well, this is ha- this, these conversations are happening all the time. And then the real trigger point was we were getting teachers speak to us and say, listen, can you help me with my mortgage? And then we'd go, yeah, no worries. We would do a deep dive into their overall circumstances. And I was like, oh, teachers have also got CCJs, defaults. They're really struggling to budget money. So I I said to Chris, I was like, look, let's go back to our school. We need to change this locally in our area in Warrington because like I'm seeing the real life effects of poor money management, but then, The teachers who are supposed to be teaching the kids about money management are also really struggling. I was like, so there's a massive gap because teachers can't teach about money, finance and budgeting if they can't do it themselves. So I I reached out to Chris, um, who's a good friend of mine from school. I was like, got this crazy idea. Let's go into schools and start developing some money modules. It's what I talk about all the time. And then lo and behold, 18 months, two years later, uh, we've now created what we're saying quite ambiguously, is the Netflix of education when it comes to not just money, but everything PSHE related Right, so this
0: is an online platform, which, uh, Chris, I mean, how extensive is it then? It's not just finance, is it? I don't think it's just finance.
2: No, no. So when Sam came to me with the idea of doing the the finance modules, um, it was a case of going back into local schools in the Warrington area, delivering some workshops, pulling on the sort of contacts that I had in the local area that we worked with already through the tuition business, um, and seeing how it grew, sort of grew from there, but obviously I was running that tuition business full time. Sam was running the mortgage centre full time, and I said, "Well, if it's us two delivering that with your, you know, our combined skill sets, it's going to very quickly be a case of yeah. you know, we'll we'll reach capacity and burnout in terms of not being able to run the other, you know, businesses." Um, so I just sort of said, "Listen, you get to a point there where you're creating a job for yourself in a way, um, and it's hard to scale that up to train people to be the same." As mm-hmm. you and you can see Sam when he talks, he's enthusiastic, <laughs> I'm more the monotone, boring one behind the scenes, writing the content
1: <laughs> um
2: so between us, it works, but I said that that's not going to last forever, so what we need to do in a way is almost be in two places, three places at once, um and so let's use technology to sort of help us do that and if you think about you know a film being shown, it's in multiple cinemas, multiple homes on Netflix at the same time. Let's do it online where we can just record all the content we want to teach um give teachers lesson plans and worksheets to go along with that that are editable that they can sort of tweak to to match the needs of their students and then to be honest with you, this is where the big thing came in i said if you offer finance you you are up against the likes of barclays tsb all these big institutions who are offering outreach programs and sort of you know incentives for kids to get to know them and then we all know why they're doing it because they're future customers and all this um And I just said, you've got no chance against their marketing budgets and power, and especially because they're doing it free a lot of the time. Um, So why don't we offer something that very few other companies do and actually make it a whole PSHE platform? And then this was the conversation of what's involved in that. Um, And I said, well, obviously, I've taught this before as a a form tutor in the schools that I worked in. um, It was usually the form tutors that were designated to to deliver it. and it was a case of I said, well, listen, it's it's sex, drugs, knife crime, you know, money, everything you can think of that's real world, adult world skills, um, but applicable to these young people are going to be entering that world fairly soon. So employment, um, how to understand, like we said, credit scores and even paychecks, how to work out things like tax, but then also things that are a growing trend that things like the pandemic affected, like uh, mental health anxieties. Things like that, and how work-life balance has sort of changed. How people now work from home, all the things you could think of um, that you could have been taught at school, but probably didn't. Yeah. Uh, maybe should have been taught. We've we've wanted to to put that and package it all up in a aesthetically pleasing platform um, <laughs> that, that students and teachers can log into and access. So that, that that's that a nutshell. Is, is yeah, that's part.
0: that's fantastic. I mean, because for tutors, I mean, you, you've got a real mixed bag there, haven't you? Mm. You know, what I mean, I, I mean, something could crop up in a classroom as well. Um, and it might crop up with the wrong form teacher, you know, uh, you know, so this is quite helpful, isn't it, in terms of a go to place for somebody who perhaps is venturing into an area
3: that they know very little about. My, 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 honestly, my experience of, of this in school and I was talking to Chris, because you sat down reminiscing as you do. And I said, what was your experience of these subjects? Because Chris was reeling them off a the list. And I was sat there going, whatever you're saying here, I do have no recollection of yeah. this. And then he said, oh, about sex education. And honestly, the only memory I have from this being about 15 was we were in the maths classrooms. We had a, a 60 plus female history teacher and our maths class was predominantly male. And she just wrote on the blackboard at the time, as technology wasn't what it was now, literally just put sex and she said, right, everyone shout out what you know about sex. And it was just a free-for-all. You imagine 15-year-old lads, the language that was coming out. Yeah. And she was just mortified. In the end, just descended into to complete yeah. chaos. And I was—I remember sitting there going, what is going on? Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why has she done that? There's no yeah. structure to yeah. what we did. So... Draw upon that, what we're trying to do here is save those really awkward, disengaging topics that teachers don't want to talk about. And let's be honest, Chris, we've had focus groups and teachers have gone, I'm not teaching this. I'm not talking about knife crime. I'm not talking about gender diverse. You know, teachers will outright refuse. So kids aren't getting taught this. Just yeah. uh, there's, there's so many different angles that we're trying to trying to improve the quality of what's being taught in schools and give it some standardization so teachers can go in. And they're facilitating the lesson rather than opening the conversation. Chris and I in our studio in Manchester with guest experts, organisations, charities, will deliver a 7 to 14 minute video. It's interactive. They can pause it. They can go back to the worksheets. But their teacher isn't then sat there going, let's talk about sex. It's kind of like... Everyone just watch the screen for me for four minutes while we introduce. So this is,
0: is it a comp- is it comp- built up on the basis that it's 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 not sit down and watch a video for twenty minutes or so? No. It's actually sort of components. So there are bits, and then there's a pause for some reflection or for some targeted teaching. Is that the way it works?
2: That's it. I mean, in terms of how we we structured it, I mean, you can go on BBC Bitesize, you can go on YouTube, you can find all these videos, um, and again, very very few certainly the quality that we've managed to sort of bring in with with um the type of videographer and the level of staff that we've got um very few actually make it interactive in terms of directed points so these are age appropriate lessons where if we're doing a sex education lesson it might be an intro to sex ed for year sevens the tone of voice the language the even the animations used in the videos are completely different Mm -hmm. than a um why you should not share explicit content video for year 10s um where again the the tone of voice has to change we don't want to be patronizing we want to change it so that again the videos the lessons that we kind of got taught and that i used to teach um when instructed to use a particular powerpoint and it was always death by powerpoint um we move away from that you still are aren't you (laughs) <laughs> well, look, I, I, I still say this, PowerPoints have a place, right? And I like a good PowerPoint, um, especially when I'm going through a presentation and such to to refer back to. But so many people I saw were just leaning on the PowerPoint to read it word for yeah. word. And the kids, pick, the kids aren't daft. Kids pick up the fact that you've got this nervous energy, the fact that you don't know what you're talking about, and you're not even looking at them because you're staring at the screen, reading word for word what's going on because you are not a subject expert. They were the two main things we got out of that head teacher focus group that we had sort of a year and a half ago. The two main reasons why staff don't engage with the content and deliver it effectively, or even at all in some cases, is one, they don't feel comfortable. Um, they don't necessarily agree it doesn't align with their values so again we talk about these these topics now such as gender diversity and some staff basically just go, no that goes against what i believe in i don't want to be you know spouting this or that and again they sort of bring their politics into the classroom Um, the second reason is that they don't feel comfortable in terms of their subject knowledge uh, which is what we're talking about before and so it was similar with me i had the same sort of feelings I was a biology teacher. Um, that was my degree. Talk about sex education all day long. That was fine. I'd already got over the initial, um, I guess, nervousness, and anxiety mm-hmm. of teaching that topic. Within about a week of of teaching that to every single year group within their biology course, anyway. So when it came to PSHE and I saw sex education, like no nah, easy. I know this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to be using that PowerPoint. I know it. Uh, whereas down the corridor, you know, there'd be a music teacher, and she'd be saying to me. How do you get through this? I yeah. don't understand how I'm supposed we, to teach we,
0: we have this in primary as well. I mean, for the son of both primary heads. yeah, you know, It's like there are subjects that primary school teachers, topics as well as subjects that they just don't want to teach. You yeah. know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, um, well uh, when I was an NQT, a newly qualified teacher, um, in the school I was at, the, the school nurse came in to do the, a sex talk with the girls, and I took the boys out to play cricket,
2: <laughs> that's, how it works. that's genuinely Sam I don't know if it was the same for you when we were in year 7 or 8 in high school they did the same thing they took all the girls into the assembly hall this is yeah. from our year group and they talked about the birds and the bees about um, menstruation all this kind of stuff and the lads got put into a DT classroom and got told to saw some wood <laughs> and and draw some you know, make some nice models of stuff for a couple of hours that was exactly the same. No, here's a sore yeah.
0: piece of wood? <laughs> well, I'm not I...
2: stereotyped as more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, uh, the, the the online platform's called The the Talk?
2: Oh, so, yeah, the, the business is called The Talk. The platform is just, yeah, The, the Talk, PSHE platform. Right.
1: Um, On your platform, is that purely for, for schools and teachers to, to use, or do you have um, uh, an entry point for students? And, and for parents, is there, you know, because yeah. as a parent, if there's this
0: platform, particularly if they're hesitant, you know, mm. I mean, I want to know what is being taught. Is there an access for parents as well?
2: Yeah, so in terms of the, the actual videos and the content, that's strictly at the minute for the teachers. However, we've designed the website so that parents, students can go on for a number of different reasons. So for students, for example, um, they can go onto the website. If they've seen a video in class, and they've been taught, I don't know, anti-bullying, something mm-hmm. like that, or, you know, anti-drugs lesson. And they want additional help. And they've seen within that video um, that we've, you know, maybe recommended a charity or perhaps a charity representative is on that video right. with us. Right. And they want to follow up or find some more information on a confidential chat because they don't feel comfortable talking to the teacher or a member you know, of the family. They can go on the website and almost use it as a directory for all these charities locally and nationally um, that can help them. And so you don't have to be part of the platform to access that. You can you can do it even if you're not a customer. So kids who don't necessarily go to a school that have subscribed to this, they, right. they can access it for free. Um, and for parents, it's more of an informative website to say, well, this is um, how the government and the PSHE Association have recommended that schools teach. This is how we in our platform recommend it too. These are the lessons that we've put down for year seven in, for example, the relationships module, and so you can expect your child, if your school is using our platform, to learn these lessons, and we've recommended in this order, right. and this is roughly what's covered in each lesson. So it's not a shock when kids go home and say, "I've learned about the birds and the bees," and mom yeah. and dad go, "I'm furious! I'm going to run to school now." So, yeah. so they they do get a bit of a heads up, and again, they can open that dialogue up with the school to say, you know, I don't agree with this, or can I pull my child out of that lesson for whatever reason? And sometimes it's a case of. Um, misinformation so they'll think that if you're talking about sex education automatically they're you know some parents brains will go yeah. to oh they're just going to show videos it's going to be pornography yeah, yeah. It's nothing like that we talk about pornography and we talk about the unreal expectations but that's not a year seven lesson you know that's yeah. much later on so again it's the idea of making it very apparent that stuff is age appropriate and right. again follows government guidelines and the guidelines set up by charities and organizations that work closely with these young people that's fantastic. I mean... It's so over... what's
1: the spread in terms of, of how many schools are, are already customers?
2: Already. So we're actually pre-launch. Sorry, Sam, I'm just answering every question here, mate. Yeah, Listen, well, I'm Sam, going Sam, to go. Is, I, as I, I said,
3: red. Red. I did pre-warn you. I'll go <laughs> ten minutes. And I'll let, let Chris loose. Right. Sam, I'll
2: how let how you, you? I'll let how you, how you? I will let
3: you in. <gasps> oh, me? Oh, me? I'm you. <laughs> yeah. Virtual tag. <laughs> there we go. Oh yes, right back in the room. <laughs> Old <the> question.
0: <laughs> so, how many schools have you got engaged?
3: You know, um so we're pre-launch at the moment. So, our official launch date is going to be the first week of September right. this year. Um, so, at the moment, we've got a series of beta schools testing it, which is about twenty. They then go on the platform, test the lessons, they get students to fill feedback forms, and the teachers fill the feedback forms to give us guides on if it was well-received, what the children thought of it, if the content was appropriate. So we've got schools from like Crew League, we've got schools in Warwickshire, there's some in London, some in Cornwall, um, obviously got Warrington, some schools in Warrington. So we're trying to pinpoint different uh, geographical locations across the UK. Uh, And then pre-launch is probably about another 20 to 25 that are already um, pre-launched. But uh, we say like a kind of pre-launch, there are so many schools we're speaking with at the moment that are saying, right, when we get our ducks in a row come sort of April time yeah. and in, we'll have another look at the platform and we'll get this launch for September. We'll, we'll bring it into the school for September. So there's um, so many schools that are, we're in motion with at the moment that we're doing demonstrations. We've got a lot of onboarding for the teachers. So what Chris and I are doing now to speed all of that up on our platform, we're going to have what are already on there induction videos to save me and Chris right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's saying the same things to the teachers <laughs> all the time um so we've got a series of six videos on about how you can use the lesson how you can use um the adaptive learning how you can use the extension tasks how to build your bespoke curriculum if you wanted to and we're also um got some experts in disclosures from students and what the six lessons there are we've got an expert to say right if you play this lesson from the talk and a child makes a disclosure to do about anti-bullying, here's the best, mes- best methods, get my words out, and ways that you can deal with that disclosure and how to signpost them and how right. to right. obviously work with the students. So at the moment, it's Chris and I doing a lot of these talks to schools, but when we get this um, the back into the studio in March time, they're all going to be live. So our onboarding process for schools is quicker. We can make it mandatory for schools to have the teachers to view these induction lessons so everyone's better equipped. Mm-hmm. And then we can just do a 20 minute call to all teachers in a school. Um, and, and it's just a much smoother yeah, sort of process. Yeah. So we, we built an amazing platform and then went back to the traditional way saying, oh, we'll talk you through. <laughs> well, I was like, Chris, we've just, we're just we saying we've built Netflix. Let's just do it in video. <laughs> and so that's been really well received. Yeah. Anyway. So, so if,
0: if a school or head teacher, governor, whatever, wanted to you know, get sight of this, where do they
3: go? How do they do that? They just go onto our website, which is the talk.org.uk and they can fill out an inquiry form and request the free trial for seven days, which will ping through to me and Chris. We'll give them a quick call, send them some login details uh, and they can have access to our, our beta platform at the moment, which is cover off all health and well being. which we've uploaded health and being because it's some of the most, tr- it's more of the trickiest stuff, yes, especially yes. if in talking about sexual health and all that kind of thing, consent, online bullying. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've uploaded health and well-being for people to have a really good deep dive into what it is that we.
0: We'll yeah, i think people will view if you can get that right then the finance stuff will just click in won't it you know what i mean there'd be, it'd be terrible having done the other side i, th- I think that's a sort of properly you have tackled the the trickiest one
3: well, well i tell fact- you I tell you what in the studio them days recorded health and well-being they were long like yeah. Chris and I were going like crazy some days. We couldn't even get our words out and going for like all medical definitions. And well, Chris was better than I because... He was a biology teacher in school for <laughs> five years, um, but yeah, they, they were difficult. But now we're finding we're, we're finishing up module three. The lessons were just because of all the feedback from the beta schools, because of all the testing, because of all the focus groups. When we're in the studio now, it's just like we can just hammer out the lessons because we've got a really good format that seems to be working um, with the sort of four tasks that we implement throughout the videos. Uh, it's just a really good flow. Brilliant. Well, i li- I'll put a link That's,
0: at the does I'll put a link at the end of the video um and uh you know hopefully you know others will and i mean also i mean i i'm sort of interested because i i've still got some uh links in with uh, i chair the blackpool education improvement board so i will put a link in uh on my final because i finished that work on the 8th of february i will include a link to all of those schools for you as well you. Stan probably will do the same for yeah. 100 or so schools in the Lancashire that he's involved with. So, uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, we do that. We've actually spent, you know, um, I think it's probably getting on for uh, just trying to work it out. Yeah. uh 26 minutes of our 30 minutes talking about your platform, but we, we can extend <laughs> these. Oh, you, when
3: you get Chris going. I, <laughs> I think that's gross. <laughs> eye contact. If you make eye contact, <laughs> game over.
0: Anyway, let's, uh, as you two jets have said a lot, we'll go to Stan first. Stan, what's caught your eye this week?
1: Um, I watched the Panorama uh, report on crumbling schools or whatever it was called. Um, but what struck me about that is it didn't actually mention the cost of repair that schools are, are cost of improvement. And two quick examples uh, in a um, PFI school wanted to put a studied wall in to divide two classrooms up 3000 pounds. That was the um, someone to come in and decide whether or not they could do it. So 3000 pounds was, was the, the sort of starting point without any building work being done. Yeah. And another school that, that's triggered it this week is is um a roof over um a quadrangle that's within the school in a an old open plan school they they built sort of open areas with no roof on and now they want to roof it and the cost is 300,000 and uh, so it, it won't happen <laughs> <laughs> you know. That a school, I don't suppose there's many schools with budgets of 300000 in reserves that they can spend. Yeah. But it, it just seems, and, and it used to annoy me when I worked for the local authority, that the, the charging of, of works for schools and local authorities is just ridiculous. And I can remember talking to an electrician friend of mine and saying, this is how much we're being charged as local authority to have this work done. And his words were... I would be embarrassed to put that invoice in. Mm. That That's how overinflated it was. And I think schools, you know, what happens is you, you, they do bits, don't they? they? They spend what they can afford and schools do, you know, or we'll put a bit of a room on here or we'll do, and you end up with, with a, a complete mismatch of buildings and rooms, things, none of which are built with future-proofed no so you'll see lots of tiny rooms that we we need to take a group out but it's actually not very useful for anything else instead yeah. of a bigger investment would have given us a flexible space to work in
0: i, I went to and endowed primary school yesterday uh the only school in blackpool that's got rack and um the head teacher there um michelle um warburton um is is amazing you know head teacher um and uh it's meant that she uh, she had to obviously sort of close school for a short while, but the, with the propping and everything that's gone on, um, they they are, are able to use the hall, which is where it is. Um, and I have to say, just to be positive, um, she was full of praise for the local authority, full of praise for the DfE. Um, and actually, they were sort of really trying. She She had confidence that, in the summer um, when it was promised, when it's promised that the the roof will be replaced, um, that that work will get done. And it was sort of one of those sort of, I I went thinking it was going to be all doom and gloom, you know, she would be down, she'd feel negative about it. um, And that in effect, people had sort of just left her high and dry, but that wasn't the case. But as she said, I'll be waiting for summer. When that roof, you know, they've asked, they've said that it will be replaced, you know. So everything hangs now on that. Um, but yeah, just a shout out to Michelle. Now, yeah. now, Chris, you were going to mention, I think, a colleague that we know, Glyn Potts.
2: Yeah, I was going to say. He's got a
0: similar problem, isn't he? It's
2: just one of those. This is the education world. Everyone knows each other, don't they? they um, do. Yeah, it, just, it popped up as a news article on on my LinkedIn newsfeed, um, and I think he basically outlined the idea that. Um, due to the, the poor sort of infrastructure the poor building work um, that needed updating it was causing anxiety amongst staff and, and students um, you kind of understand for the reasons that you've just been talking through I guess um, you know it's a case of not a lot of the building is fit for purpose and what what we've seen again from a lot of these reports is that the schools are so outdated yeah. um, you know for example, the school that me and Sam went to—I um, won't name and shame—because uh, actually the great school, um, they've recently had a lot of money um, promised to them, and they're going to have several million pounds to a, a huge whole school refurb. Um, but they've still got buildings um, from when our parents were attending that school, or our parents, you know, um, knew that that building was going up, and it's strange because one of the new parts and extensions to the science building, for example when I went back and taught there for a little bit through the tuition business and I spoke to some of these kids and said, Oh, I remember when this was built they went, this is so old. I was like, all right, (laughs) all right, calm down. (laughs) it It was swanky when we had it. Um, But again, some of the buildings are falling down, you know, wooden clad buildings where it's all splintered and the the paintwork's not kept up to date. And it's not because they're not proud of the school and they don't want it to look good. They just don't have the budget to keep everything ticking over and make everything as effective as it could be. So, yeah, I completely agree with that.
3: So, Sam, what's caught your eye this week? Um, so it wasn't like a, a news publication, but we've um, engaged in some great conversations over the last week with University Academy 92, um, just near the Trafford Cricket Club, or literally next door to it. Um, and we spoke to Melanie and, their, Melanie and their team there, and they actually run what's called a partnerships programme Um Or or the 92 program, I think they called it, Mm -hmm. which is really unique because when I went to university, it was just you do these modules, you get your credits and you get your degree. But this particular thing that they do is all about like self-worth, self-growth, understanding finances, money. And they put on some great festivals about health and well-being. They put on stuff about financial services. And it's a way of engaging the students that, that kind of makes it mandatory for them to become self-aware they have a journal they learn about thoughts and feelings they learn about budgeting they learn about like employability skills interview techniques and i think that is like such uh an amazing way to get people sort of age of 18 to 21 to think about what the future is and Looking back at my experience, I got offered to go to America with a band called Deep Purple, and I was like, oh, this sounds amazing, and then come out of it and didn't earn any single money after uni, and I had no direction at all. And I think it's so key now and relevant to what we're doing that the university are championing that, and they're they're making students engage with life after university. There's no bursary. There's no student loan coming in. You go blow on on a Tuesday night at a student night out. So we're going to do some some great work, hopefully, over the next 18 months to help shape a piece of curriculum or some of the curriculum about money, mortgages, finance, budgeting, uh, with one of our other partners, Tandem Bank. So I just thought it was really, it was really yeah. good to note that because other universities should take note and dis- discussing life after university is just as important as focusing on the grades, in, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's uh, interesting that uh, UA92 also... Um, accommodate the fact that their students are likely to be working and so like you know the the series of lectures are not all held at nine o'clock so Mm -hmm. they're either the the, the date the time changes or the date or actually there are repeated lectures at different times of the day to accommodate those people you know students who actually got a job and trying to do balance all these sorts of things so yeah it's and if you've not been it's a it's well you have but it it is an awesome place to go and 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 so different to what students would have experienced coming out of college or school um right i'm going to talk quickly about pupil premium reform um the I, i do i i'm the education and skills advisor to the northern powerhouse partnership and today we've written to jeremy hunt um asking for some sort of you know the way that funding is allocated is is not favouring the North. Um, But interestingly, um, they've asked for a, a reform of the pupil premium funding. And so the question I was going to ask you and pro- others who are not aware of this, how much does a primary school get, a child get, for pupil premium? How much okay. do you think
3: it is? I'm going to say about 330 quid. Okay. Chris?
2: Hmm. A pupil, a pupil premium per child, yeah. Yeah, I'll go with it's gonna be really low, isn't it? I'm gonna go over I'm gonna be expecting a thousand pounds. Right. Okay.
0: Stan uh, I'm gonna put it on spot because you should know this, but I no, don't know, because the, it does yeah. change.
1: It will be different via different authorities, won't it? No, it's and a used, no, it's a standard now, it's a standard. Talking amount. about the add-on for a pupil premium or yeah. the full amount that the a child no
0: yes. it's is the actual pupil premium funding per child so it is it is the same nationally which is interesting isn't it
1: mm. well I, I i don't actually know that but i would guess somewhere between 800 and 1200
0: yeah you're very close so it's 1455 for primary and 1035 per pupil at secondary now the issue here for us is that um because of the pandemic if a family actually for a short period of time needed to claim benefits a particular benefit that meant that that child would still receive or that school would still receive the pupil premium funding for a further six years Mm. so you know so i i know that there are um you know that circumstances are different for different families but our view is that those children who are subject to pupil premium funding and eligible for it for their entire school year, school experience they are the poorest kids and those are the children that that but they will receive the same amount of funding as for the same child whose parents were only out of were only claimed benefit for a very short period of time so we're looking to seeing a massive investment of another thousand pounds on pupil premium um to and and even that won't go close to it because when you think about you know what does a thousand pounds per child actually give you in terms of tutoring it may be you know or if you employ a teacher that might give you an extra sort of five or six days from that you know it's not going to go very far you know when you think about the disadvantage that the poorest kids are facing in society so it's not about trying to give those poorer kids more money it's just making sure that The opportunities that we take for granted are are made available to those kids. And going back to the UA92, they give laptops to all of their students, don't they? Travel is covered for their students. So in a way, there's that sort of levelling up experience for those kids. And that's really what we want to see the pupil premium funding reform do for for some of the poorest kids. So uh, you did quite well, Stan, there. You got quite close to it. Well done.
3: But Actually, Sam, you were well off. I just went with a, a random low number that expects everyone to you to say a number and everyone go. Oh.
0: Uh, I know. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, right. Well uh, we have, yeah, just sort of gone 38 minutes, which uh, we normally do 30, but um, I, I really wish you well with the, your platform. And uh, I hope that, you know, followers of Frankenstein chat will reach out to you. Um, and I, I certainly would love to see what the beta is. Um, versions look like so if you could send those through that'd be really helpful i think for stan and i it's always helpful to have sight of the product before we actually sort of offer our sort of good wishes to to it to others so uh, if you could share that that'd be brilliant and we won't share it more widely uh and just wish you well and stan we're back next week yeah Thanks so uh, yeah, yeah very I'm interesting really,
1: really interesting i'm, I'm genuinely I, I love the when new technology actually does something that's useful (laughs) (laughs) because because it seems to me in most things we get the technology and we don't really know what to do with it and and this is i think what you've done is is the right way around you've you've found a need and then said actually the technology can serve this as opposed to we've found some technology what can we do with it It, one thing we haven't
0: asked is how much it costs
1: do
3: you want to reveal that? Do you want to reveal that? Or yeah, so for a secondary school, um, for all five-year groups for one year, it'd be eight hundred and seventy-five pound.
0: Eight hundred and seventy-five pounds. Yeah, that's
3: you use one
0: child half of virtually half of one child's pupil premium funding to pay for that program.
3: Yeah, and that's that's what that'll get at school is 120 lessons across three core modules and then if they subscribe the year after they will get all the updated lessons all the new technology we're working on as well ongoing so they'll wow. be in first and they'll be getting all the all the good stuff afterwards wow well that, that that's amazing that is amazing yeah, that is. um yeah i
0: mean that's a very competitive price i mean it really it, it feels to me that you know the, the question for me is you know when's the primary version coming
3: that is in the wings is
0: it in the wings
2: yeah, yeah i was going to say the number of times we've been asked that it's um yeah. but also common. there's a
0: send element as well that yeah. i mean that was a really i mean mm-hmm. i think uh you know that's something that i continually people in the SEND sector you know continually feel as though they're sort of like missing out so uh, well yeah, first. Say,
2: a couple of the schools actually who run our beta are sort of scn schools are they and they say that obviously some of the resources aren't quite designed uh, with SEN in mind. However, some of the resources are absolutely perfect for them. They say the kids engage yeah. and, and really get on with it. So we've been pleasantly surprised. Um, and so, yes, yeah, it's, it's, again, another avenue. We're going to revise all of the, the platform so that it is more SEN accessible and friendly.
0: Brilliant. Okay. Well, thanks very much, gents. And uh, for those watching and listening, we'll see you all all being well next week. Bye-bye.